are talking about a topic today that you probably are impacted by and you may not even be thinking about it because it's off your radar. We're talking about three common mistakes that you might be making when it comes to your sprayer. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced drainage systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. We're not casting stones. We're not accusing anybody of being a bad farmer. We just understand that you have a lot going on when you run a farming operation, and you very well might just overlook these things that are happening when it comes to your sprayer, and it might be costing you a lot of money. You know, crop inputs are expensive. Here at Extreme Ag, we do all kinds of trials. We talk to you about all the stuff we're putting on, right right product, right time, right practice, but... If your sprayer is not up to snuff, if you're doing these little mistakes, kind of blend into becoming bigger mistakes. Nick Flights is an agronomist with a company called Pentair. Pentair, among other things, makes sprayer tips, nozzles. Nick is going to talk to you about the three common mistakes you might be making when it comes to your sprayer. Last time I saw this gentleman, he and I were in Chad Henderson's field in Alabama in the darkness using a dye that we dumped into the sprayer to go out and check distribution of a sprayer product uh, and uh, with different nozzles on the field. So anyway, Nick, thanks for being here. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. Is this more comfortable, you sitting in your office talking to me on a Zoom call than wandering around a North Alabama cornfield where it's 85 degrees and getting bit by mosquitoes at 10 o'clock at night? Being honest with you, I'd rather be out in the field. Uh, mosquitoes <laughs> never really did like me much. I must I must taste bad. I don't know what it is. I'm lucky that way, um, but I'd always prefer to be in the field than, than in the office. All right, well... Um, I, I appreciate that. Actually, we, we probably have that in common. But let's talk about these mistakes that uh, you see. And the first one is nozzle wear. And you say something very smart just to kick this whole thing off. The nozzles are wear parts. We don't always think of them as wear parts, but they are just like fluids, uh, bushings, bearings, things like that. They are wear parts. And so if you're not treating them as such, you know, there, there can be some issues that you could run into. And with our modern sprayers and all the technology in them, they can hide some of those issues from our eyes, but they're still there under the surface and occurring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so historically, the thinking has been if you're using worn spray nozzles, you're going to be over applying, you're going to be wasting chemistry. But that's actually not true with today's sprayers. Our modern sprayers use flow rate controllers. So they're going to do their best to put out the, the GPA volume that you put into the task controller. So if you say you, you want to spray at 10 gallons per acre, you're telling the sprayer that, and you set up to spray at 40 PSI, you know, when you go through the field, the sprayer is going to do its best to maintain that GPA output. Just to, to, the per, to, the, to the person that doesn't do their own spraying that lets the co-op do it, GPA equals? 
gallons per acre. Yeah. So it's you're saying that going, the, going the, 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 field. the sprayers are smart enough now that you say we're going to be putting nine gallons per acre or whatever that number should be, 27 gallons per acre out here. That sprayer will do it whether the nozzle is right or not. It's just that it's if it's getting the right gallons out and the nozzle is worn, what's the problem? There can be two things. The first, it, it, and they can go can go together, but the first one is pressure. So the sprayer uses changes in pressure to, to maintain the application volume that you're looking for, the GPA output. So as nozzles wear, the orifices in them become larger. They let more flow pass through them at a given pressure. So say you spread it, set up the spray at 40 PSI, and maybe you have a specific droplet size you're targeting. If I've been using my nozzles four, five, six years, maybe I took them off an old sprayer, put them on a new one, they got a lot of wear in them. You're not gonna be spraying a 40 PSI. Maybe you're gonna be spraying a 25 or 20 PSI mm -hmm. to maintain that output. So you have that issue. So you're gonna get changes in droplet size. You may be at a different droplet size than you want. Maybe you're trying to spray a contact chemistry like a fungicide. You don't want a coarser droplet size. Okay. The other thing is uniformity. As nozzles wear, the uniformity of the, the distribution of the droplets in the spray pattern become more erratic. They're not as uniform. You talk, you're talking about when I'm going across that field, if that nozzle's worn, it might not be doing the same thing uh, here as it is 40 feet down the field because it's it loses its ability to be... You, you to might replicate. be putting more volume or less volume at certain parts in the pattern so i may have an area of the pattern where i'm over applying okay in an area where i'm under applying it's just not not as uniform um of a dose it's not as even and then you okay. also as you speed up and slow down the sprayer is going to change pressure to try and maintain that uniform gpa output if the sprayer is already having to make a big reduction in pressure because you're using more nozzles and then you go to slow down to turn or you're going up a hill or somewhere you might slow down in the field, the sprayer then has to further reduce pressure and you could very well end up below the minimum pressure rating for that nozzle. Okay. That can result in collapsing of the pattern, which will further reduce the uniformity of the dosing across the width of the spray boom well what you just so said it, it really ties back to accuracy yeah what you just said you just showed with your hands i know most people are probably listening not watching this um what that does also is you're missing areas i mean if if what you just described that means that that nozzle now is not covering if it's supposed to be blowing out over a 20 inch area it might be shrinking down to only covering a 12 inch area exactly exactly and so it all ties back into the uniformity of the application Modern sprayers are precision instruments when you think about all, all the technology built into them. And so if you're using old worn out nozzles, you, you may not get the full benefit of that precision piece of equipment that you bought, plus all the chemistry that's going through it, uh, and, and then the crop traits that get paired with the chemistry. Um, sprayer, yeah, half a million dollars maybe. Right, five hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. New sprayer very, very easily half a million dollars. Okay, and then how much is a how much is a nozzle? Uh, say seven to ten, 
to ten dollars per night. Right. So if you've got a half million dollar machine and you've got uh, a guy operating it and you're covering all those acres, why not spend the money and put new nozzles on? I guess is what I'm saying here, right? Think of it this way: we we break everything down into per acre costs for yep. for inputs and equipment and ROI on things. Um, to spend uh, uh, say six hundred dollars for a new set of nozzles for a full sprayer. You think about using those over 40, 50, 60,000 acres, all of a sudden it's pennies or less per acre yeah. um, over the life of a set of nozzles. Is that a, is that a number that you just threw out? Um, is, are my nozzles good for 40,000 acres? So I've done testing on that uh, to, to get an idea for how long nozzles last, because uh, everybody asks, so how long do nozzles last? But nobody really had a good answer. Uh, and what I found was... Um, 50 to 60,000 acres is a good lifespan to expect. So as a general rule. So if you farm if you farm 2500 acres, uh, that means I should be good for 20 years. But I'm going over that field three times a year let's say. So it's really not 20 years, it's about 6. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, you got to think about the passes, the cumulative number of acres you spray in a year, not just the number of acres that you farm, but how many mm -hmm. passes you make over that. Um, and then just over life outside of, you know, where you just want to watch for, we all run our booms into things every now and again, you know, mm -hmm, you yeah. get in the ground, you catch a fence post or some, some trees around the edge. So you want to watch out for uh, some of the physical damage that we can inflict on them as well. So even if you say, well, wait a minute, um, uh, I don't farm that many acres. Heck, my analysis are good for 15 years. You'd probably say, just like everything, um, just because your car didn't go the 4,000 miles between oil changes, if it's been four years, go ahead and change the oil, right? Exactly, yeah. The, I, I would say that with this as well, from what I just said, the physical things. But then also, just like with cars, or phones or computer, there's new developments in, in consumer products over time. So there are, you know, advancements in spraying technology over the years that occur. Uh, so there, there can be better and newer options that come to the market uh, over time that might give you a better performing spray, might help you unlock a little bit extra yield, uh, you know, things like that that can help your operation that you should should be aware of as well. Yeah. So even if you haven't gone over 50,000 acres, you know, uh, with that nozzle, there, there's probably a reason to update and look at new nozzles anyhow. And as you said, if you're talking about a half million dollar piece of equipment that's vital, you're going and you're using it a lot uh, and it's going to cost you 600 bucks to put new nozzles on the whole boom. And you're talking about that boom's what, 120 feet or something? Generally, yeah, 120 feet. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Nick Flights from Pentair is telling us the three common mistakes that you might be making when it comes to your sprayer that's costing you money. First one was nozzle wear. We talked a lot about that. Next, we're going to talk about using nozzles that are too fine in droplet size. But before we get into that, I want to remind you something that Kelly Garrett says. He's one of the extreme ag farmers, of course. He says, feeding a plate of food to an unhealthy person who can't eat it is a waste of nutrition. So just think about that. You're sick. You give a bunch of food, well, you can't eat it, right? So what good does it do you? Well, it's a waste of nutrition. Apply that same logic to your crops. If your plants are stressed and unable to take up nutrients, applying more nutrients is not the answer. In other words, a stressed plant can't take in more nutrients. That's why Kelly Garrett applies Agrisense Accomplish Max in Furrow for stress mitigation and to maximize yield. 
you want healthier plants, try Accomplish Max. It's exclusively available from Nutrient Ag Solutions. That's Accomplish Max at Nutrient Ag Solutions. All right, Pentair Agronomist Nick Flights. Nozzles that are too, we talked about nozzle wear. It's a wear part. Very smart point there that you know you just it's it's most people probably just don't think about it. Nozzles that are too fine in droplet size. You said that's one of the common mistakes. What's the matter if I put out as long as the product's going out there and as long as I'm getting the gallons per acre, what difference does droplet size make? So there's a couple parts to it, and I'm going to relate this one back to flexibility. Um, and so for using nozzles that are too fine, um, we don't have a lot of flexibility as weather changes occur. So you're out spraying and the wind kicks up, but you really need to get over those acres due to the weed pressure or the crop growth stage, things like that. You, you got acres to cover. Sometimes you can't always shut that sprayer down. If we're using nozzles that are too fine, that introduces a lot of risk into our, our, our operation and the folks that are around us. Uh, so think about Chad Henderson, where, where he farms and lives right outside Huntsville, Alabama. The city's encroaching on his, his ground, you know, every year there's a lot of developments and things around him. So yep. if he's out using fine, fine droplets and spraying and, and people are seeing that, those, that spray cloud moving, they're yep. going to be concerned and they yep. may call on complaints and that and, and have issues with what he's doing. Uh, especially start talking about windier days, mm -hmm. uh, things that are going to help move that sprayer around. Instead of having to shut that sprayer down or cause issues with his neighbors, moving up a droplet size or two gives him a lot more flexibility and a buffer in changing environments around your fields, but also changing weather conditions that are occurring when you're spraying and you still need 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 to get uh, need to get those acres covered. And so. A couple years ago at the Ag PhD Field Day, I actually did a demo with this. And if you're a couple years ago there, it was, I think it was 102 the day before the show when we sprayed. 102 they degrees? The of the, 102 degrees. <laughs> it was sunny. They were in the middle of a drought, so it was low humidity. So we sprayed with three different nozzles and we did that the UV dye demo. We sprayed soybeans, we put a tent uh, to, to darken it. The nozzles that used a fine and medium droplet size, we got very poor coverage. A lot of it went into the air. The coarse and very coarse and ultra coarse nozzles, we got great coverage. They were able to resist that evaporative pressure from the wind, from the hot, dry weather, the low humidity, and get down to the target and cover that plant. So you can get great coverage under perfect conditions with a really fine nozzle but it has to be the perfect conditions. It doesn't give you much flexibility. And nobody likes shutting the sprayer down. Nobody likes getting out and changing nozzles, things like that. So moving up a droplet size class or two to a, a coarse or very coarse right in the middle, we can get the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. We can still get great coverage. We can get great agronomic performance. We can get more spraying days with changing weather conditions. And we can also help protect anything that's around our fields, whether it be other crops, uh, whether it be housing development, schools. Yeah. And, and like so it's interesting. I mean, I guess we all know it if we've been around farming enough that you put something out there very fine 
it, it increases its volatilizing. Is that the right uh, terminology? You know, we used to talk about chemical, you know, like Banville back in the 80s and 90s would just pick up and move. And, and we kind of have that now. Isn't that the dicamba argument? So if we, um, if we're putting it out there in too fine of a pattern, it becomes, it's more easily vaporized or volatile. What's, what's the right terminology here, Nick? You're the smart one. It's very prone to evaporation. Um, so so our, our fine droplets um, take 85 degree temperature, 30, 40% humidity, you know, anything in that um, hot, dry weather. Those droplets can completely evaporate falling, you know, eight or nine feet. You're not always spraying at eight or nine feet, but you think about doing a late season application of fungicide um, or a foliar feeding, things like that, where we're going to have our boom higher, those droplets have farther to travel. Um, those droplets can very easily evaporate, and that's product that was paid for by you or your customer um, that's not reaching the intended target. Got it. So, um, first off, you talked about we lose the product, you know, it, we're spending the money and then it's prone to evaporation. So we just wasted our money. Um, and, and then we talked about the other part of it, the neighbors, uh, the fact that it moves. Um, but if I go to bigger droplets, don't I sacrifice coverage? Yeah. Yes. And no. So there's, there's a point in there where it, it's, there's a droplet size you can go to that's mm -hmm. say one or two higher that coverage can be similar. It may go down just a little bit. Now, if you make a really big swing, yes. Okay. But I'm talking about kind of smaller changes here, incremental changes here, that are gonna have a, a big impact and pay dividends. So I'm not saying go from a medium refined droplet to an ultra coarse. Yeah. I'm just saying maybe go up to a coarse droplet size um, and you'll still get plenty of coverage for what you're spraying in it in certain weather conditions, you may get even better coverage. If you're losing a lot of that product to drift or evaporation, it's not covering your target anyway. Yeah, right. So right. too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, and so too fine of a droplet size in our mind says better coverage, but that's not always the case under certain weather conditions. Yeah, you make a really good point there. It's like, well, if I put it too coarse, I'm not gonna get the coverage. Well, you weren't getting the coverage when it's this fine anyhow because it's evaporating or it's blowing over the neighbors. And uh, obviously, like I said, we, we know that there's been lawsuits over that and there's some other problems there. Um, is there a right answer? I mean, it, it, otherwise, it, you know what? Like, it, if you say I'm going to put a gap test uh, on my spark plug, there's an exact thing. You get your micrometer out there and you measure it, do it at this number. You don't have an exact number to tell somebody, do you? Because it's kind of going to vary on a lot of conditions, right? Correct. It does. I, sometimes there are some cases where there's a very clear right and wrong answer. Things like dicamba, 2,4-D, and list, where there are specific nozzles and pressure ranges that are approved on the label. Mm -hmm. In those cases, it, it's right and wrong. Everything else, there's a lot more gray area. Uh, generally, you know, the labels will all call out something for nozzles and droplet size but it's very loose and they basically all say use a medium sized droplet or coarser it is really what it boils down to. So most of the time um, we'll be within the label bounds there. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of differences based on the chemistry you're applying based on who's running the sprayer. Everybody is calibrated differently for what they like to see in droplet size, um, what they, what they can stomach for drift potential. 
and, and then what's around them and what the weather's like in their area has a big impact too uh, for, for spraying and what type of droplet size, what type of nozzles and things that they're going to use. So it's, you have to kind of figure out what works best for your operation and in yep. your region, the country. Is it safe to say that in general, if you're, if you're on the fence, finer or coarser, probably go coarser. Is it safe to say that? I, I would almost always go that way for, um, just flexibility, uh, risk reduction, easy use, things like that, that a little bit coarser of a nozzle, um, isn't going to cause you agronomic performance issues. Got it. That's, that's, it's just not going to, that's, that's, that's a little bit finer can cause you issues, uh, downwind with your neighbor. Um, and, or it can even be your own crops. Sometimes your neighbor is yourself, right? Right. Right. Not always somebody else. Uh, right. Yeah. You might be doing the damage to yourself and also you might be losing product. And so as expensive as it is, and you're going to take the time and the effort and go out and do the job, let's make sure the stuff gets where it needs to be. Third mistake that people might be making, farmer might be making uh, when it comes to their spraying. And this is not nozzle specific. The first two were about nozzles because after all, you're with Pintair. Pintair is a nozzle company. The next one has nothing to do with nozzles. Sprayer clean out. Um, you and I have talked about this. When we were at Chad Henderson's, we talked about uh, uh, sprayer clean out. And uh, at that point, Fint was there and they were talking all about how much their new technology makes it easier to do clean out. What's the problem here? You're thinking that these guys are just leaving a bunch of chemical in the sprayer or is it in the boom or is it in that? What's going on? So for a, a new sprayer like the Fint one we saw, this is less of an issue because they do have the recirculation um, products that pull that product back into the tank. We don't have the dead end space at the end of the booms where product builds up. So the, the, the sprayer cleanout topic in, in that where I'm hitting is really focused on folks that have sprayers that don't have recirculation systems. Um, so that'd be like a new fence sprayer um, John Deere has a new one they just came out with. Mm -hmm. uh, but for everyone else, say you've got a sprayer that's a few years old, you don't have the recirculation system, mm -hmm. the booms end, all our boom sections end, and that is a prime area where products can build up and get trapped, especially if we have dead end space past the last nozzle in that section. Products like atrazine we know can build up there that are thick and viscous. Um, any dry products that get dissolved in the suspension can get trapped there. Yep. And the issue I want to talk about there, you know, is really an agronomic one. And that um, if we're not cleaning out our sprayer and we're switching to, to different fields, different crops, chemistries, we're leaving residues of that previous chemistry and sprayer. Right. And so we're still putting that out into field when we don't intend to. And the issue there can go back to herbicide resistance. Uh, so a few years ago, there's some research out of the University of Arkansas where they, they took uh, these palm amaranth, a population that was susceptible to dicamba. They grew them in the greenhouse and they sprayed reduced rates, these micro rates, we could call them, of dicamba to them. And they took the survivors and, and you know, let them breed and, and cross-pollinate. Uh, and, and they continued that on through multiple generations. 
And what they found was within just a few generations, they had dicamba resistance forming in this Palmer amaranth population by applying these micro rates. So if you think about your sprayer, we have all this plumbing in it. If we're leaving residues in that sprayer, mm -hmm. even though say you, you flush it out with water, there's still areas where product can build up. Then you go out in the field and it's slowly going to come out as you're mm -hmm. spraying with those mm -hmm. other chemistries. So we're applying these micro rates and those weeds are still having to metabolize it when it comes in contact. And so we might be, even though we're switching chemistries, we might still be applying some bit of selection pressure for herbicide resistance and not <clears> really know it. Uh, and so that's where I kind of, I talk about, you know, at the end of the boom, there are multiple products to help flush out spray booms where you can quickly open up the end of the boom and blow it out um, and clean out that dead end space or that will remove that dead end space entirely. Uh, you know, we have a product called the Express NCAP that removes the dead end space entirely at the end of a boom. And there's also a quarter turn ball valve that fits into that. So you don't need any tools, you don't need anything. You just flip these valves open uh, to flush out the, the spray booms uh, and then close them. Uh, and you can do a better job and a quick and easy job of, of getting those products out of the sprayer plumbing um, so that we're, we're not applying those micro rates to fields that we don't, don't intend to spray that product in. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. You know, it's one thing to say, all right, you left some herbicide in there that uh, had enough in it that it just went out and killed my crops. Sometimes it's not that it killed the crops. It's that it's just little micro uh, doses. And then you're going to either feed the, you're going to cause stress, or you could even, like you said, uh, contribute to resistance. Um, and, and it seems like it's an easy enough fix. So uh, like you said, if, if you don't have one of the new pieces like that Fent machine that we saw down at Henderson's that he was demoing, um, the, it's they're, they're all about being able to more easily clean out the boom. But even then, you said there's an add-on product that you guys have that's uh, an aftermarket? There is, there is. Um, and so, you know, if you had a, uh, if you, you're buying new Fent sprayer, th this won't go to that if you're getting new John Deere sprayer with product uh Pressure research and product reclaim. This won't apply to that because those systems uh, are going to have plumbing that can pull that product back into the tank. But if you have a sprayer without those systems, uh, we have what's called our Express End Cap that does come factory from uh, some manufacturers, but is available as an aftermarket yeah. uh, upgrade for for all sprayers. That's going to remove the the dead end space. So a lot of a lot of our older sprayers, you had a, the last nozzle body at the boom section was there, and then there was pipe that stuck after that, and that's where things would build up and get trapped, and then slowly kind of leak out as you sprayed. It takes that dead end space away, puts the nozzle body at the very end of the nozzle, yep. so it lets all that product get out, lets trapped air out, and then we also have a quarter turn stainless steel ball valve called the express flush valve that fits on the end of that. So when you want to flush your sprayer out and clean everything out good, you don't need any tools. You don't have to remove any parts or pieces. All you have to do is flip those valves open, opens up the end of the boom. You can flush everything out really good, really clean and do it quickly and easily. Yeah, I like it. 
three mistakes that are common that you might be making on your farm when it comes to your sprayer. And uh, we just went through them. Uh, nozzle wear. Uh, you say something and you've said it every time I've worked with you on site at these farms. Don't forget that nozzles are a wear part. <laughs> just like just like a tire or anything else that you're going to, have to change after it wears out you said a nozzle is probably good for about fifty thousand acres but remember that means if you're going over your crops four times take that into effect into into, into consideration and you said uh using uh, nozzles that are too fine in droplet size and then spray or clean out it doesn't seem like it's that hard but you know you just pointed out a few things some of the old sprayers that they've got areas at the very end that then become reservoirs for uh, last week's product, and then you're now you're you're putting out stuff you didn't intend to put out. Nick Flights, agronomist, Pentair, love working with you. Thanks for being here. What else we need yes, to know? Sir. Yes, sir. I mean, Thanks for having they, me on. Oh, if they want, if folks want to learn more about this, how do they how do they do that? Uh, so you can, the best thing to do is Google us, go to, you know, Google being whatever your favorite search engine is, look up Pentair High Pro. Uh, you can find us there. Uh, if you want more nozzle information, we do have a phone app available, free download on iPhone and Android called Spray It. Uh, you can get some really good nozzle information and recommendations there. Uh, you can also that, follow that's me a, on that, That's a cool thing, by the way. That's a cool thing that I can just go and do the, uh, spray it. Is that what it is? Spray it. Yes. Yes. So look it up. Um, you can get nozzle uh, sizing recommendations. You can look up the products you're spraying. We go in, recommend, uh, look at the labels, recommend nozzles for the specific products you're spraying. Um, a lot of different information you can find on nozzles, technical information as well uh, to help you. Uh, get the most out of your sprayer and the chemistry you're putting through it. I like the cool, I, I think that app is cool. I think you showed me that when I was down at Henderson's, but uh, it's got a lot of good information. That way you don't have to be the technician. You just can go to it. Boom, there you go. Because you can't have Nick flights at your farm all the time. But the extreme ag guys do, and that's the last time I saw him. So I'll see him there again. Till next time, thanks for being here, my friend Nick. Till next time, Damian Mason with Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.Farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.